Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in worship. We thank you for uh, a full day of events at New Life, our prayer walk this morning, uh, the peace concert in Mississippi, now this opportunity to worship, and then after worship, an opportunity to fellowship and break bread once again together. We ask that you just continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit, continue to encourage us, continue uh, to bring us out of a uh, summertime with renewed energy, renewed passion, and renewed movement uh, as we enter into the third year of our ministry. We thank you. Pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, welcome once again to New Life. I'm Mark Myers, the pastor here, and uh, we want to welcome, of course, all of those joining us online, uh, which would not include any of you here tonight, probably, uh, but in case you do, uh, welcome again when you listen to it online. Uh, welcome to all those joining us on our podcast. If you miss any of the teachings, of course, you can get those at www.findnewlifeumc.org or on iTunes under New Life UMC. Tonight, we continue our series, Reform, focusing on the teachings, the theology, and the mission of the Methodist movement. Last week, we looked at the beginning of the Methodist movement when a group of irate teenagers saw that the church had begotten uh, apathetic and just kind of lost its roots, lost its uh, faith. And these teens, including John and Charles Wesley, came together and devoted themselves to holiness, living different types of lives, like Jesus did while he was on earth. But just wanting to be holy... Just striving for holy isn't good enough. Even before Jesus was born, people were trying to be holy. And, and they did pretty good at it, they thought. But in the end, they continuously failed. They always fell short. And why did they and why do we fall short? Well, it's something called sin. The, the Bible begins with a story about humanity and God living together in unity humanity working alongside God, partnering with God, overtaking care of the whole of creation. But about three chapters in to the Bible, humanity decided that they wanted to do things their own way. The story of Adam and Eve is about humanity trying to call their own shots, make their own decisions, find their own way, and in a sense turning away from God. But it's not just a story about a man and a woman who lived an uh, undisclosed number of years ago. It's a story about all of us. Because I can tell you, from the time we are toddlers, we are obsessed with doing things our own way. We are obsessed with calling our own shots. We're obsessed with making our own decisions and following our will and our interest instead of perhaps the best interest or certainly not God's interest. And I know that because one of those lives in my house. Every single day, I see poor decision-making skills, uh, myself included, but uh, especially from uh, Alex. And so I know that's the case. We screw up, we sin, and, and sin is just anything that separates us from God. Nothing we can do can earn our way back into that relationship. Nothing we can, uh, no list of things, no list of rules can bring us back into that relationship. Thankfully, there is something that can, and it's something called grace. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn them to the book of Ephesians, the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. That's in the New Testament. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Roman, 2, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians would be the order of it, if you know the song. If you don't, it's a good song to learn, in case you're wondering where your scripture is. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Um, this is one of those scriptures that, as we share throughout the year, uh, this is one that should be highlighted in your Bible, marked in your Bible app, uh, written, tattooed somewhere on, on your flesh. No, I don't go that far, but... Uh, you know, what it teaches there. But uh, this is an exceptionally important scripture and an affirming scripture. Um, let, me, let me read it from the RSV first and then I'll read it from the Common English which is on the screen. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, The King James Version, I I believe, says, we're God's handiwork. But uh, I I love, uh, as the Common English Bibles come out recently, uh, I love the language that they use as they look at the ancient Greek. I I think this language is, is much cooler. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that, can be pr- that you can be proud of. Instead, and, and this is awesome, we are God's accomplishment. Created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. I love that. We are God's accomplishment. God, you know, the traditional language says handiwork or craftsmanship. Um, I, I guess if you're a craftsman or, or you know you work in that kind of field, maybe that's important. That that would mean something. But to me, the idea that we are God's accomplishment, that through us, God accomplished something very exceptional. Karen pinched the baby. No, she's okay. Paul reminds us that grace is what gets us back into that relationship with God. Grace is what saves us. Grace, the loving action of God in each of our lives. The ultimate expression of grace was the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Through Christ, our relationship with God can be restored. Grace came into the world through Christ. It's alive through the Holy Spirit, and it's part of our lives because we follow Jesus Christ. So our video tonight... Last week, we learned a lot about the history of the church. Methodist movement, I should say. Uh, tonight, we're going to learn a little bit about grace and a little bit about the quadrilateral. And again, if I'm the only one who thinks these videos are funny, then too bad, because I think they're hilarious. And we're going to watch all four of them, whether you like it or not. But I hope you enjoy them as well. What the heck is prevenient grace? And do I have to learn geometry to be Methodist? The Methodists believe that our salvation is due to God's grace. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love and forgiveness. Now, get to work. Wait, I thought you said there's nothing we can do. Yes, there's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. That's God's gift to us. But that doesn't mean we get to sit on our tails. Being a Christian takes work. Are we talking about Grace? Who's he? I'm John Wesley. AJ. It's a pleasure. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I founded the Methodist movement with my brother Charles. We were called Methodists because of our method to bring ourselves closer to God. Get it? Good one, Jackie. Oh, hello, Charles Wesley. Oh, my apologies. I'm Charles Wesley. How do you do? Ah, uh, okay. Thank you, Wesley Brothers. Can we get back to Grace? Yes, please. Oh, of course. Oh, by all means. Now, this is very important. There are three expressions of grace. Truly, Jack. I have this one well in hand. My apologies. Uh, lecturing on grace just makes me such a wellspring of enthusiasm. Okay, so, grace. Right. The first expression of grace is prevenient grace. Prevenient means to come before. Yes, which means that this expression of God's grace comes before we do anything. Yes, you see, prevenient grace must come first. It is the foundation for the other two expressions of grace. So, like the foundation of your house? <laughs> ah! No, no, it's much more like the soil beneath the foundation. Yes, prevenient grace is like the soil from which other expressions of grace spring up. Pardon me. You see, because of our sin, our ability to respond to God is utterly dead. Like a piece of earth that has no fertile soil. Hey, hey, hey! When soil isn't fertile, there's nothing there that can sustain life. Nothing can grow there. Nothing can happen. It, it is totally dead. But God's prevenient grace restores it. So, like zombies? Help! Someone! Who could possibly save us? Wesley Brothers! Huzzah! Back to the ground with you! We'll save you from this poor analogy! It's more like a totally lifeless body, a corpse. Because of our sins, we are dead and can't respond to God, so God brings us back to life through prevenient grace. We weren't literally dead, but it's like our receptors weren't working. Dude, like robots? No. Prevenient grace allows us to respond to God. Uh, you're not quite done there, sir. You've forgotten about the Incarnation. I was just about to. Yes, I can take it from here. You see, God became Jesus, both fully man and fully God. And this Incarnation removed original sin, which was cutting us off from God. God gave us the ability to say yes to God. But we have to accept God's grace. We have to say yes. Yes! Yes! Mess! Wait, no. I mean, uh... When we say yes to the forgiveness God offers, we then receive the second expression of grace, justifying. That's John's favorite. Nonsense. I like them all. Jesus died on the cross and was then resurrected, which atoned for our sins. It atoned for all of us? All of you. Our sins are washed away by God's justifying grace. Oh my. Great Scott! This brings us to the third expression of grace. Does the third expression of grace involve a bath? No. The third is sanctifying. When we turn away from God, when we try to go it alone, our focus turns to selfish, worldly desires. Fully embracing God's grace means letting go of that selfish, I-can-do-it-myself attitude. When we stop putting our focus on ourselves, when we say yes to God, we receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit, which inspires us to live more like Jesus. Right, John? God gave us a brain and... God gave us a brain and God expects us to use it. No, seriously? <laughs> we must use our minds to help us see what God is calling us to do. 
But how do we know if we're doing what God wants us to do? I'm glad you asked. That's where the quadrilateral comes in. And I'll tell you all about it right after intermission. The video will resume in 20 minutes. Now on to the quadrilateral. Is this math? Math is gross! No, it's not math. If you just look- I'll take it from here, Wesley Brothers. You see, in the United Methodist Church, the quadrilateral is made up of tools to help us grow in our faith. It still sounds like math! So, let's think back to geometry class. Ew! What is that? Well, if you've taken geometry, and if you paid oh! attention- Abraham Lincoln! You might know how many sides or edges there are in the type of polygon known as a quadrilateral. Um... Five. A quadrilateral is actually a four-sided figure, like a square. However, the Wesleyan quadrilateral doesn't have even sides. One side is much bigger than the other three. Wow, that's weird. Perhaps, but it's also very necessary, because one part is more important than all the others, and that side is scripture. It is imperative that you start with scripture. Thank you, John. Not at all. The other parts are tradition. Hello again. Reason. Um. And experience. You mean everything I've ever done? Yes, but don't forget the experience of your community. The quadrilateral are tools that help us to continually work on our faith in God's grace. All right, great, but how does someone use these so-called tools? Let's start with scripture. Methodists don't believe that the Bible was actually written by God. Instead, they recognize the Bible was written a long time ago by people who were inspired by God. So, scripture's primary role is to point to the Word of God for our salvation. But the Bible is not God. Ew! Is that more geometry? Um, no. Then there's tradition, because it's not always clear what God wants to say to us in the Bible. We rely in part on tradition. Things like hymns. Oh, holy night. He always could carry a melody. Also, there's the Book of Worship, books on theology, early church writings, commentaries, the Book of Discipline, and, of course, John Wesley's sermons. I've got a whole box! Who wants one? For 2,000 years, the church has worked to understand the Bible, and this can help us see Scripture the way God wants us to. Of course, tradition isn't always the right interpretation. Like the United Methodist Church's reversal on ordaining women. For a long time before that, women couldn't be ministers. Lamers! And then there's our brains, or reason. Hey, John, Charles, Huxall! John, did you see that one? God gave us minds so that we can question, doubt, and examine. Our questioning exposes deeper meanings from Scripture and also helps us filter out some of our own bad ideas. <laughs> an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Hey, that means if my geometry teacher flunks me, I can get revenge. No, that's not what it means. Aw, come on. Last but not least, there's our own experience, which informs everything we do, including our understanding of Scripture. God didn't stop working 2,000 years ago, no. God is still at work right now, and there's a good chance God wants us to hear something new. We aren't meant to be robots or zombies, spitting out answers someone else fed to us or behaving like our brains are mush. We have to think and act for ourselves. We have to use our reason when it comes to our interpretation of scripture. And sometimes if we don't know the answer, if we're confused, we can rely on... Uh, wait. Tradition! We have to take personal ownership of our relationship to God. We have to use our own... Experience! The quadrilateral is how we know God. 
It's our theological toolbox. Isn't that right, Wesley Brothers? Uh, yes. The quadrilateral of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience allows us to build and rebuild our perceptions of God. Our spiritual toolbox helps us continually grow in our faith, right this second and throughout the rest of our lives. Thanks, Charles Wesley. Hello? All right. Uh, well, we, we just finished up a series, Former's Footsteps, on grace. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about grace, you can look back at those online or through our podcast. Uh, so we won't dwell on that. But I did want to talk a little bit more about the quadrilateral because it is a great toolbox uh, a number of things we can use uh, to know God's will for our lives and to understand God's plan a little bit better. Uh, as the video said, it's ways we can know God. The official uh, statement that John Wesley said uh, is a little confusing, but we'll break it down. Uh, goes like this. God, and therefore God's will for our lives, was revealed through Scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified by, he liked big words, by experience, and finally confirmed through reason. So let's break that down a little bit, uh, and maybe we can uh, understand a little bit more about how to use this in our day-to-day lives. Now, God is revealed to us through Scripture, or the Bible. Certainly people acknowledged the existence of God or believed in God before the Bible was written, whether New Testament or Old Testament, but, uh, or because God was revealed through the natural world. But God's plan is not apparent through the natural world. Uh, later on, God was revealed through messengers, prophets, and eventually through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Everything they said and did was recorded and written and compiled into what we know as the Bible, which is God's plan for us, for you and me. From the beginning to the end, the Bible reveals the story of the nature and the plan of God. So as we seek to know God, and as we seek to know God's plan for our lives, we first and foremost have to search Scripture. Now, God is illumined by tradition. Tradition is the uh, tradition and theology of the church, uh, the greater church, not just new life. Through our tradition, more about God has come to light or been illumined. Fancy word for come to light. The Bible surely speaks about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but our tradition teaches us more about that through the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Certainly, the Bible tells us about how the church must uh, live its lives, how church must interact, and how we can be the body of Christ. But it doesn't tell us everything about how to organize the life of the church. So our tradition tells us both good and, on the other hand, bad things to do to be the church. So the more about how we understand our life uh, as Christians is brought to light because of the good things we do, our successes, and the bad things we do, our mistakes, because we learn from both success and mistakes third god is vivified by experience god is brought to life which is what vivified means through our personal and corporate experience now these aren't just any experience these are experiences of god that is a very important distinction i don't think the video made people ask how i know god is real well i know god is real because of my experiences of god 
We experience God personally through prayers, through devotions, through personal experiences. We share in corporate experiences like worship, like the sacraments, like mission trips, like uh, work out in our community. And all of that brings to life our understanding of God and God's will for our lives. Finally, God is confirmed through reason. God God created humanity with wonderfully complex minds and the ability to use rational thought. This has allowed us to do many great things, but ultimately, reason is what confirms our knowledge of God and our understanding of God's will for our lives. Again, this reason uh, and our understanding of uh, God is part of being the church. It's not just our own personal reasoning, but it's reasoning that we share in the body, the church. So if you go through this process, we always test our rational thought with other Christians. We always kind of bounce off our ideas with others in the church. Now, the quadrilateral is a wonderful set of tools that can be used for big and small questions, used for really anything in our lives when it comes to the church or our personal lives. So I want to give at least a quick example of something we did at New Life when we were forming our congregation, Uh, one way that we use the quadrilateral, but I really believe you can use it in most anything, not necessarily all four, uh, but even going through the whole list, uh, you can do that in a lot of big things in your life. Now, as we began New Life, we asked ourselves how often we should celebrate the Lord's Supper, because if you know anything about church, every church does it differently. Do we do it once a year or twice a year? Uh, By the time John Wesley came to the Church of England, they only did it once a year at Easter. They only celebrated Lord's Supper as church once a year. He did not like that, as you can imagine, if you know anything about John Wesley. Um, Some churches do it once a month has become a very common practice. Some do it a few times a year. We looked first to Scripture, because God's will is revealed through Scripture. 1 Corinthians 11 and 3 of the four Gospels say, do this, the Lord's Supper, bread and wine, in remembrance of me. So Scripture says we should share in the Lord's Supper to remember and honor Jesus. Acts 2 says the early church broke bread together every day. Tradition sheds light on the nature of the sacrament and teaches us those six things that we say every week. That comes from the tradition of our church, what it means for us. Now our experience brings to life how important the Lord's Supper is. I've seen relationships be mended. I've seen people's lives transformed. Personally, I experience God and God's grace through that sacrament on a regular basis. So that brings us to reason. What's our reason say? What's our rational mind say? Well, going through the list, the Bible says to do it. Our tradition exalts it. And our experience affirms how important it is. So I would think rationally... (coughs) we would say, it seems like a good thing. And so we decided as New Life that we would do it uh, every week or almost every week. Every opportunity we had to share in this sacrament, we would. So it's as simple as that. Now you can do that not just for great theological things, but you can do that for practical things. Things in your own life as you struggle with questions, as you struggle with anything. And one tool or all tools, this is a, 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 just a toolbox of things that you can use in your life every single week. So we are called to live different new lives. The good news is we don't have to will ourselves to be more holy. God's grace makes us new people. We are God's 
accomplishment. God continues to work through us and grow us, and we've been given a wonderful set of tools in the quadrilateral and other things, scripture, tradition, experience, and reason, to grow more holy day by day. So I encourage you, as we continue in this series, as we move into the fall, trust in God. Trust in the gifts God has given you. And try this week, use those tools, use the tools of the quadrilateral to uh, work the issues in your life. And, and, and don't, you know, if you're facing major issues in your life uh, and you've never used these tools, maybe start a little smaller. You know, sometimes we take on big projects or we go to the store, you know, we go to Menards and we buy air compressors and expensive power tools because we're going to do something that we've never done before and we screw it up. I'm, 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 maybe some of you don't have that problem. But <laughs> because we're not experienced with those things. Todd never does. He's got it good. <laughs> I didn't buy anything. Don't, <laughs> don't worry. My wife's a little concerned. But try it on something small. Uh, try it in a simple way. And just like prayer, just like everything we do at church, the more you use these tools, the more you search Scripture, uh, the more you look at the tradition of the church, the more you kind of see your experience and the experience of all of us. And the more you use your rational mind, which, you know, the, the reasoning part of your mind doesn't really fully develop until you're about in your late 20s. So, sorry, young people. Uh, and, and, and if you stopped learning when you were like 17, 18, that's also a problem because there was still a lot to do in that rational part of your mind. But every time we use those, we learn a little bit more and we get a little bit more comfortable with those. But most importantly, I just want to leave you with this tonight. Remember, you are God's accomplishment. You are not a mistake. You are not a Menard's mishap, as some of us happen occasionally. But you are God's accomplishment. Through Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to experience new life, and you have the experience to be in relationship with God. Well, let's transition now to our uh, acoustic set and our uh, lounge experience. Uh, no cocktails today. We didn't. We didn't get that. Um, there's. There's. Yeah, that's. I like it. Kyle. I got some Bailey's in my off. No, um, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I got to get through. Got to get through the week. That's not church talk. Thank you, Jamie. Um, I want to thank you. you we, we've been doing real good in terms of uh, bringing in the kind of resources we need to do the ministry of this church. We knew going into the second year of our ministry, uh, without the support of our congreg- uh, parent congregation, Rascal, we were looking about $50,000 we didn't have last year. Uh, up until this point, uh, we've been very good. Now we've hit a lull because it's the summer and people are on vacations and everything else. So I encourage you... Uh, to truly make sure you're up on everything. And, uh, you know, if you've missed a few weeks, make sure that uh, you do continue to support the congregation. Uh, The good news, uh, as God always provides, the good news is the fundraising from our parent congregation we did a few weeks ago in July, uh, Roscoe, uh, came to about $3,500, which is about what we need to get through the rest of the summer um, without going into our reserve accounts that we thankfully do have. Uh, and then, uh, so that's good news. And that's, uh, that's in the celebration for sure. 
Uh, but as we come out of the summer, we are going to be doing our Family and Friends campaign, which is a fundraising campaign to try to make sure that we do have enough resources. And if we do have enough resources, then this just builds more equity for ourselves going into the third year of our ministry. Um, as we expect, maybe next year or the year after, uh, we'll no longer receive support from our conference either. So, um, you know, there's kind of a downswing before, uh, before there's an upswing in terms of our finances. But you're doing really great, uh, and that's exciting. But you know, we're not rolling in the money yet. So if anybody won, there's nobody who was in New Jersey for the Powerball, right? Because um, I think those aren't claimed yet. So anybody wins the Powerball, let us know. Um, we'll have a good conversation. But uh, thank you. Uh, thank you again for all of your support. Uh, and do, in terms of the family and friends, uh, the family and friends is all about numbers. So start getting lists of people together. Start getting addresses. We need everybody to be involved in this. If you want New Life to continue, if you would like to be here and be part of the things that we are doing in the future, you need to be involved in this. Um, Because we all need to be involved in this. And the more mail we send, the more, you know, asking, hey, listen, uh, I'm part of this new church. A new church, just like a new business, needs support, uh, needs uh, income, needs help. Uh, And so we're asking you to help support as a family or as a friend this ministry of new life. Uh, And we're not talking about thousands of dollars, although if you've got some of those people in your life, we're happy to receive that. Uh, But even, you know, if we send out thousands, a couple thousand of these things, um, even getting back $25, $20 adds up real quick. The more that gets sent out, the better we do. Uh, So it's not necessarily, you know, well, which of my friends have money and you know, you don't know those things. Well, maybe you do, some of your family members. But don't, you know, don't think about that. Send a letter. We're going to print off everything. We have return envelopes. All we ask for you is get addresses. Uh, buy some stamps. If buying stamps is an issue, we'll get some stamps for you. Uh, just come talk to me personally. Uh, you fill it out. You address it. We have a letter. We have an insert, everything like that. Uh, and then you send it off. Uh, and it will be returned to the church, and we do the rest of the work. So... All you got to do is send the letters, uh, and it's a way that we can truly raise money without doing monthly, you know, turkey dinners or whatever Methodists have done in our tradition, which, again, teaches us good things and, and not so good things. Turkey dinner, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, right. That, we could do that, too. Um, probably, you can't charge a lot, though, for, for no. Yeah. Um, anyway, beyond baloney sticks. Um, we'll try to do something else. So again, thank you. I do encourage you to get those lists together um, and we will start that going into the fall. So let's join together in prayer as we transition now to the third part of our worship experiencing, uh, worship experience, the forwarding time. Lord, we thank you once again for this incredible opportunity to worship you. We thank you for uh, a calm August worship experience, a calm August day filled with opportunities. We just thank you for uh, the gifts that we've been able to give and use for the ministry of this church. We encourage you to just shed your spirit upon all the gifts we use, that we use them for your grace, we use them for your world, we use them to build up the church. We ask that you encourage us in our fundraising and all that we need, that we can continue to do ministry. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who need your love. The leaders of our nation and our world. Men and women overseas, those here at home. 
in our armed forces, those who serve in different ways, emergency personnel, firefighters, police officers, medical employees, those who are working on our highways, those who are serving us at the grocery store or at our favorite restaurant. Help us be servant leaders in all that we do. Lord, truly make us your hands and feet. Make us your body as we engage in mercy ministry in your world, as we engage in forwarding ministry that impacts and touches lives beyond our congregation. Most of all, Lord, we ask that you truly make us your church. Make us one body, guided by your will for this world and the next. We ask that you truly make us one, as you are one. And truly allow us to experience new life, all that we do.